And we're back. Welcome back to the Practice Makes Perfect podcast. It's your favorite Fortnite commentator here, Monster DeFace, in the building, bringing you guys another episode this week. We have a lot to talk about. You see from the title of this episode, it's really going to be focused on this, this heavy debate, this back and forth controversy between Twitch, the most dominant live streaming platform, and Kick, the new supervillain, if you will, or countervillain. I don't know. It's the lesser of two evils. John and I are trying to figure out right here which is the better. Who's going to take this all away? And we have some really interesting interactions between some of the teams affected by the Twitch layoffs and all that's going on with Amazon and how that's kind of tying into some creators that are exiting the platform and finally, I guess, speaking up for themselves because they have another place to call home, which is very interesting as we start to have this dynamic, more of the truths of what creators feel start to come out. So we're starting to see that leak out. And uh, let me tell you guys, it's toxic. So put on your rubber gloves and boots because we're going to be getting into the deep of it here. But let's go ahead and kick it off. We want to thank you guys, of course, for downloading this, checking it out. All that good stuff. As usual, it's just me and my boy, John W. Key Rush on the mic. John, what's up, bro? what's up what's up everybody yeah man get the hazmat suits out man going in today don't go anywhere hey right now as you're listening do us a favor comment leave a review on this podcast share it put it out there we really appreciate the community you guys have no idea how much it means to us uh we just want to create some really healthy conversations about video games our culture etc and honestly i feel like we talk about stuff monster that that isn't being talked about other places. I feel like I can confidently say that. There's really not a lot of like esports heavy podcasts. None that are doing it. I think even as long as we have been, and it's crazy to even say that because we kind of just spun this up on this podcast. And yeah, we'll we'll be jumping into Fortnite creative, a little bit of Counter Strike, creators taking the initiative of building their own products. So we definitely have a lot to talk about today. But I'm with you, John. I'm absolutely with you. You know, there is, I think, a nice little niche that we get to hit on on these week-to-week episodes. Also, just talking about people leaving reviews and reaching out to us. I got a couple DMs last week about folks that have been enjoying the episodes, kind of spinning back up and rejoining the community. The last two podcasts that we hit off already have over 3,000 downloads on each of those. Let's go. Yeah, we want to thank you guys, man. I know, I know we've been here and we, we jump in and out of all types of stuff, but you know, we thank you guys for riding this, this crazy journey because esports takes us in so many directions. So again, we do thank you guys when we bring all types of stuff to the table. So let's just go ahead and kick it off, man. This whole Twitch layoffs thing that's happening right now. This is not just, you know, the Twitch arm. This is like the extension of the bigger company. The Amazon umbrella has laid off uh, upwards of 400 employees, John. This is this is a huge, huge hit to the to tech market, if you will. It's not just, of course, Amazon that's doing these layoffs. I mean, we've seen it, I think, across the board of other major companies, but obviously as it relates to gaming, Twitch, the Twitch side is seeing it heavily. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, when the word recession gets thrown around, I think it's sometimes it just feels like the boogeyman and like, what even is that? And, you know, economic setback. You know, I feel like I can safely say not as an economic expert or anything like that. I feel like we can we are in the midst of one in the esports and video game industry. I mean, uh, we've covered feels like week after week in this program, people closing down certain parts of their orgs to layoffs, etc. To even us I feel like if you listen back to episodes, we've almost been heralding what we now see with Twitch. It's almost like we saw it coming, but we didn't predict it. Of course, 400 layoffs is a huge deal. And this is also the new Twitch CEO, by the way, Dan Clancy gets in there and says, this is, this is what needs to be done. And so there is almost like a little bit of a question of, was this overdue? I don't know. 
you would think like what's it, Emmett Shear, the old CEO, before he would exit, he'd just take the blow, right? Like, whatever, uh -huh. don't have the resume. I'm out the door anyways. I, I got my paychecks, right? Let's give this new CEO a clean slate. But no, instead, he puts all the, yeah, I guess puts the tough decision making on the new CEO. He gets to come in and out the gate swinging, and people are not happy about it. We talked about Twitch rivals particular being affected because it really has cloud fuel one of the folks at twitch who leads i would say the talent acquisition and kind of the creative direction of the participants he's the guy that sends out all the in, uh, invites on twitter and stuff like that his team personally was affected john he came out and just basically outright said hey i don't even know who's being fired shoot i could be next for all i know the employees were getting emails 15 minutes before they found out oh they gosh. were being let go you know imagine you kind of being on that 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 stool sitting there just kind of doing your thing and then you see the calendar invite pop up you know exactly what that means because the rumblings are already out amongst the company if you got that invite they basically told you right then and there hey yeah we're letting you go and 15 minute notice man yeah action man did the dirty and he dropped a dm uh, between him and cloud fuel basically just saying this is how twitch treats their streamers i just left got left on red with a heart um, and this is the reality many people won't ever see or understand and you know behind every major move is a lot of small decisions that led led to led, led to something big like this happening and i feel like what action man is trying to say here is like man this is what's gonna happen this is what this is the result of leaving people vital to the community underappreciated under resourced and i wonder how much that really impacted or, or really correlates with the 400 employee layoffs yeah the creators are really not happy with the twitch platform i mean we've seen this kind of uproar over the last several years right we've kind of talked about twitch on feels like every other episode whether they're taking an l or a controversial stand and some of the things that they believe in in the direction they're taking even the conventions right let's not forget all of that that all happened it kind of builds up and a lot of creators probably just keep their mouths shut because you don't want to speak up. And then, you know, you don't want to be the boogeyman, end up on the bad side of Twitch, yep. not get the chance to be in these opportunities. And just imagine if someone like CloudFuel, for example, didn't like you. I mean, you are effectively blacklisted, whether you like it or not. And uh, Action Man, one of the creators, I just want to scope out a little bit. He runs an extremely toxic channel. It's toxic in the sense that he will do anything for the views and, and kind of just runs one of those insane communities and one of those more outlandish types of content pieces where, you know, he's putting holes in his own wall. He's, he's spitting on his own rug, you know, just gross stuff that you would never do on a day-to-day -day life. But people sit back by the thousands and watch this and consume this because it's just, you know, again, it's that type of content, right? Quite, that stuff quite that you literally would never do. for the memes, the epitome. Literally. Or, uh, so, you know, creators like that don't get the opportunity, regardless of how many numbers you have, to be on these Twitch Rivals platform. And we get it, right? Twitch Rivals, you know, and Twitch in general, they have sponsors. You have Samsung Pizza, Capital One, Dunkin' Donuts. Like, would you want that kind of creator by your brand? Probably not. You think it's common sense, but that's sometimes these things don't come naturally to some. And do you think it's, you know, do you think Cloud Fuel in this instance should have spoken up to someone like Ashman and say, hey, listen, let me respond to you. If you really, for some reason, it's not clicking in your mind why you're not getting invited to these types of events. It's the, it's the kind of creator that you are. Maybe we don't want you as a representative. Does he have to say that? I mean, it's a really great question. And, and I think 
you know, you see in this tweet, Action Man, uh, you know, you see some emotion. He says, I tried over and over again, pulling 2K viewers, constantly getting ignored. And it is kind of rough to be rejected, but not corrected. And I think that honestly, while it makes sense to me that they probably wouldn't, you know, bring him in like that based off of his content, you got to engage with your community. You got to talk to them or, you know, I would even say this, uh, not that I'm necessarily condoning what someone like Action Man does, you, but even for Twitch from a business sense, build out a, a, a separate page or a place for these creators. You know, the, the problem with trying to regulate people's content is that they're going to go build it somewhere else. And, and so I think this is when I hear people say kick is changing my life. I honestly think it's mostly people like Action Man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, so Action Man is one of the creators that has adopted and, and accepted this whole counter platform kick, right? Kick that's being led and built by Trainwrecks. We've talked so much about this this platform because it's quite literally the layout itself taken directly off of Twitch. They're like, hey, we're not gonna, you know, fix what is working. There's a lot of things that we like, and they just they just ripped it. They ripped the style, the look, the imagery, the the way the chat functions. Look at that that I just sent you. It's uh, it's the uh, if you guys are looking, it's an Action Man tweet thanking Kick for 6K subs and showing the revenue layout and everything like that, which one, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but even to your point, Monster, this looks like I'm looking at a, a Twitch stream summary just with green text. I mean, this yeah. is kind of blatant, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly their style. So instead of the purple accent, they go with the green accent. And it is, it is literally the same look and style. That's what I mean by like, hey, this works, they use it. It's interesting way to kind of approach the competition but there's a reason they're taking the like the creators directly out of twitch and a lot of people are considering making this jump there's a 95 percent revenue to five percent split between the platform and the creator creator earns 95 percent of their subscriber re revenue and gifted revenue on twitch they've gone back and and pulled legacy contracts contracts that used to be a 70 30 split and they're giving 50 50 across the board to all creators this is a huge huge slap in the face for some who are already barely making it by think about post taxes that you have to pay that is your you know your responsibility and they're taking such a huge chunk of your sub revenue when you see someone like action man share that he's making thirty thousand dollars in a month where on twitch if he had even close to this amount of sub revenue he would be making 15k if he was lucky right that that halfway cut and all the taxes and stuff it yeah. is uh it's convincing yeah it's it is interesting and the numbers really the numbers really speak for themselves when, like you said, $30,000 uh, on kick, he's, he would never make that with 6K subs um, on Twitch. He, would, he would need 12,000 subscribers on Twitch to make what he just made in a month on kick. Which is so much, you know, and I even have, I have some friends, as, as I'm sure you do too, who are, you know, s smaller but full-time streamers who are, have over 1,000 subs on Twitch. Uh, and for those, that's, that's not enough to live on, though, currently no. in the split. And that, that's very different. And you're almost like, how do you break out from there? And, of course, the answer is, you know, get good and get better and everything like that. But I think what's drawing people to kick is, is it's, it's a much more immediate boost. And it's a much greater initial reward for your efforts. The question, though, is can they keep this up? Is this sustainable?
Well, they've already gotten Aiden Ross to transfer over to the platform. They have Action Man, another, again, big creator. He's averaging thousands of views on the Kick platform now. In his first, I think, month, he's already gotten close to 20,000 followers or so. So that's a successful, you know, conversion if I've ever seen one from, you know, having no following really or huge following on Twitch, jumps over and he's already about a quarter or, you know, more so of the way of what he's built on the Twitch platform. So, you know, this is not the story for everyone. We've seen other sides of it where, you know, creators are literally saying, hey, you know, are you guys getting subs? Like, I'm not seeing it because, you know, of course, everyone sees and shares the stuff that's popping off. And then mm -hmm. you get, you know, convinced you're going to jump over. You think it's going to be all good. And it's not the same for you. That's always the story, I think, in every industry, right? You always see the good. Yeah. But when it really comes down to putting in that work to get to the good, it's a lot harder than it may seem. Well, and I want to, you know, my, my, brief, my brief story streaming has led me to believe that it's really not that hard to make short-term upfront cash. A couple, couple things that go into it, because I see the same thing. You know, I'm seeing guys, of course, people are always are posting their Ws, not their Ls, right? But I have other friends who are going, am I missing out, not switching to kick? What's going on? What am I doing wrong? Do I and again, mind you, we're talking industry people here. We're talking people who depend on this money. This is, you know, maybe for some of you listening, you know, you have a little bit more of a casual relationship to these topics, but come, come with us into the story for a second. I mean, these are people sweating out, paying their bills, right? And they're seeing their friends go to kick, get 200 subs. Here's, here's my short story is you get the right brand deal short term. When you start streaming, People have immediate sympathy for you. There's just this like grace period for a month or two months when you start something new and people are like, oh yeah, I'm down. It's not a question of can you crank 100 subs, 200 subs in, in a decent like kind of like ad partner for two months. It's what's, I think the better question is what's going to happen 10 months from now. Now some might say they don't care, but I think the greater concern for kick is not, is it short-term gain? I think the greater question for kick is what's the end game? Right. And uh, just talking about the end, end game, Trainwrecks is already teeing up a lot that's coming to the platform. I mean, it's clear they're developing uh, this Sunday, today, actually, at some point in the next few hours, they are actually releasing the mobile app, which is, again, another step in the right direction for Kick. So once it comes to mobile, we can expect more of a wide, wider spread usage and, and adoption from other creators and viewers alike. So very interesting to see what comes from that. But Trainwrecks is talking about they have something that's going to shake Twitch in their boots. He says they have six signings to be announced, six big creators that they're going to be pulling potentially right off the Twitch platform and directly into the kick streams. What happens then as they start to really draw in the right creators and i think it's interesting that it's being led by train wrecks because train wrecks is someone who's anti like literally anti big streamer contract focus like he has said in the past hey you you would rather parade the you know the 10 that are you know absolutely killing it and give them millions more when with those millions you could have signed you know a thousand small creators for the same cost and made them comfortable so is he going against his word? Is there going to be some hypocrisy here? Are we going to see six major creators? Are we going to see some mid-sized, like, really good stand-up sleepers that just deserve it and they didn't get that attention on the from the Twitch community, if you well, will? Well, a few days ago, really, he Train has been somewhat quiet on Twitter of late, which is very interesting. It's been a pretty quiet march for Train. Prior to posting this announcement, he had not posted since March 10th, which is as of this weeks. recording over two weeks ago. And what he said was, this is what 3,500 subs on kick looks like. Welcome to a new era of streaming. Of course, pointing out that 
that you can earn about $16,000 a month with 3,500 subs. Now, I think what he's showing here, if you look at his announcement, he's saying, we're going to get the big dogs. I think what he's also trying to say with his other tweet is we're taking care of the, the little guys. I just still question how feasible is it for people to get and maintain 3,400 uh, subscriptions. The other interesting math here that I'm looking at this on his tweet, Monster, and tell me if you think this is, is, is this normal on Twitch and on other streaming platforms, is this is 3,400 subscriptions held by 57 individuals. That's a pretty big disparagement. It's a massive one. And that's one of the conversation points we're seeing amongst the, uh, I would call the Twitch leaders. They're like, yeah, yo, you guys are posting these dope photos of how much money you're making, but those are all in gifted subs. Like those are not unique users, right? Different people actually decide to support you. These are like gifted. Like people are just effectively donating huge chunks of money to you. It is super deceiving, in my opinion, about your success that you are having. Those subs at the end of the month roll over. They, they just finish and they drop off. So you will be right back down to 50. You're not guaranteed another several thousand dollar month of success. You really aren't. Okay. Conspiracy theory, right? Everyone's asking, where does Trainwrecks get? Platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, where does everyone, like, again, we've talked about this before too. I have, I have less than 10,000 followers on, on my Instagram. But over the last years, I've, I've tried to take that seriously and grow that. I've, I, I, at meager stage, have been given access by Meta to earn upwards of $1,200 a month by posting reels. Obviously, right. performance, performance, uh, performance pending. But without any pop-off reels, if I just post a few times a week, it's an easy $100 a month. Now, that, that's not the same numbers we're talking about. But what this is evidence to me is that at a certain point, a platform with that much money, that much reach, and that much at stake realizes they just, instead of putting money in ads, like what even is an ad? Use, kick. Like, no, the best way to advertise is to flood the market with subs, to take your stake money and put it back into the hands of the people. Trainwrecks is freaking Robin Hood, man. And I don't know, bro. I'm like, because some of the guys I've seen get to 200 subs in one stream, I'm like, you never even had 200 subs on Twitch. So where's this is right. Where's this coming from, bro? It's one thing when someone successful moves over, but I'm seeing people who I'm like, you didn't even have that much on Twitch. So who are these people? And there's a lot of that happening. And this is why there's rumors going around. Like these are not real viewers that, that are watching you straight up. They're saying the bot, that there's basically a bot influx on the platform. People are being view botted to make you feel like you're, you're having these two or 300 viewer streams when in reality, you're not even close. And, this is a whole conversation happening right now. Obviously, we can't confirm or deny, but we can bring up these allegations. We can bring up these talking points and basically put that perspective in the hands of you all, the listener. Take it how you will. The platform, for all we know, could literally just be smoke and mirrors. It's, it's clearly boosted in subscribers because someone's gifting all the, all the subs away. And it's very much equally clear that these viewers are not logged in. There may, yeah, there may be a lot of viewers here watching and whatnot, but where are they? Are they real people? Where are they coming from? And here's here's another question. I saw a guy. I want to give him a shout out. I really he he's he's, he's local to me. We don't know each other, but I do ultimately want to give a shout out to Big underscore E, the content creator that works really hard. A lot of his content is he like styles these back and forths as if he's like the CEO. Activision talking to a Warzone player. It's really funny. His stuff is really good. Full-time content creator. You got to gotta give love to it. But he made a comment 
he said, hadn't streamed in a while, started back on kick, and I got the bug again. I'm in love with streaming. And the hardest part that I have about this is there's nothing different about the, there's nothing different, right? About the experience. The only thing that he may be reacting to is knowing how much more money he's making, right? Or is it's it- the money- there's the dopamine that comes in and seeing a higher viewer count that you maybe didn't see or feel, you know, in quite some time because you're, you know, you were on a downtrend on Twitch. That's the thing, right? These streamers, people say all the time, oh, it's not about the viewers. Oh, it's not about the money. But hey, at the end of the day, no one denies it feels good when you got the viewers and you got the money, right? That kind of comes with it. And it's okay to lean into liking money and liking the attention. I think that's just something that the creators start to feel when they jump over to these platforms and they're having these boosted view numbers. That's the same thing that TikTok does very well. You can have no followers. You post the video and you're like, dude, 10K views. That's like the best thing I've ever done. All of a sudden, boom, motivated to push more. And that's why they say TikTok's infested with, with uh, bots and stuff, but it's really just algorithm, right? I think that's kind of what we figured out. Or is it bots? It could be bots too. You well, know? We still well, don't know. I mean, ultimate point, talking long game okay we're talking about this from a very specific viewpoint but we started in a very meta way meaning we're trying to answer the question man what what is the esports and gaming industry going to do to get ourselves out of this hole innovate for the future create sustainable jobs for people continue to entertain people it's the greatest entertainment platform in the world i love movies nothing comes close to what a video game can do for you in terms of entertainment keep your board games keep your cards keep your books i'm telling you and so my my ultimate question asking that is, 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 a, is a streamer's short-term dopamine and short-term higher earnings really solving what the real problem in content creation is right now? I think the reality, I think no. I don't think, I think it's a very, it's like drinking a Red Bull versus sleeping eight hours. Like, yeah, you're going to feel like you can run through a, a wall, but it runs out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, Twitch has a lot going for it still. There's a TwitchCon pending. Let's not forget last TwitchCon, one of their signed partners and biggest creators from their platform, Nick Merckx, rebelled against them. He threw his own kind of event throughout the same weekend and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Twitch. Like, th that's the kind of level of, I guess, interaction happening between the juggernauts of Twitch versus the actual platform. There's clearly been some true rivalry, this back and forth, this, this disconnect between big creators and big corporate of Twitch. With the layoffs here, with the new platform blowing up, mid-sized creators and big creators alike are transferring over and now we have this this real competitor entering into the ring. How long will it last? We don't know, but you know, the kick platform is is nothing short of funds, not anytime soon at least, because they are backed by stake, which is a, a pure for-profit gambling profile in sight. Like they make billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. They are self-funded and they own the platform. They have Trainwrecks leading them as their primary consultant. And it's very clear it's working. This guerrilla marketing, this direct you know, <laughs> platform to creator marketing is working so well. They're convincing a lot of people to come off, come over. And I would be so, so, so interested to see what the stats have been like in the last six months, yeah. where kick was to where they are now. It has grown. The platform has really grown by a substantial amount. We've literally seen that happen. Well, speaking of the future of, of, of gaming, we really want to turn our attention to two individuals who I think are doing Honestly, I think it's the ultimate play. I'm really proud of them. It really excites me. And that's Dr. Disrespect, 
truly moving forward in his own original title, as well as Shroud announcing he is getting into the ring as well. Both of them being at two very different points in the genesis and the journey of making this happen. Pretty much all we know from Shroud is that it's happening. There's an announcement. He stated his intentions. Whereas just a few days ago, Dr. Disrespect hosted an, a very, a very actually organized event for his game, Dead Drop, featuring pro players, partnering with Op, Optic. He called it Snapshot V is five in Roman numerals. Snapshot five, highlighting his new game, Dead Drop. And I think this is exactly what we need to see out of content creators. I recently just dropped a YouTube video on, on my channel, basically laying a lot of the blame at the current state of, of uh, gaming interaction at the feet of content creators who complain but don't do anything about it. And I think that, that Dr. Disrespect and Shroud are, are really doing what we need long-term, which is they're taking the future into their hands. And they're saying, I'm not just going to complain. I'm going to create. So did you get to see any of the snapshot event? I did. I got to see some of the gameplay. I was actually invited to go to the uh, to the event itself out here in Arlington, Texas. But unfortunately, I did have to decline. Baby and dad duties are king right now. So I really yes, couldn't take any time away from home. But from, from what it looked like, it looked like it was very, very fun. The gameplay, the frame rate, extremely polished for what it was. Again, this this is just a super alpha build. Like, you know, there's still textures to be had and there's some there's a, there's a lot of work to be done. But you know, people have been giving the eye to Doc's game, as in like, hey, yeah, you're the doc, so we're paying attention to it. Yeah. But there's still the negative stigmatism that they're he's building around this whole web five, right? Yeah. Not web three, not web four, like this web five, this NFT technology. Yeah. He's building on this idea that there are gonna be cosmetics and, and items in the game that will be one of one uniques that you can actually lose and earn and there's a there's an economy behind it and that's kind of scary to some creators i think i think that's the downfall of his or will be the downfall of his game and early adopters i think it's going to take some time before everyone catches on and we trust the nft technology but we could be wrong he's obviously leaning into the cutting edge stuff that's happening right now he's taking a huge risk yeah i mean it's interesting to see how people are processing the nft space because it's we're definitely in a huge dip. There was the hype, um, and then there is a, there's been a huge dip, and Doc has kind of held on to the idea. One interesting thing, though, is that despite the game being built on a shaky foundation of crypto, he secured some major partners in this event in Mountain Dew and Cheez-Its, which <laughs> you're like, what? But, I mean, they're not playing around. That's big, that's big money. Um, those are major food conglomerates that own each of those brands, and I think that they must see some of the future in order for them to be putting their, their money in their name on the game. Yep. And, and honestly, listen, like I said, I think that's the thing, right? It's the doc. So he, he has the foot in the door automatically. He's, he's got his own funds. He's got his own resources. Like he's building this whole thing from scratch with his own dev team and, and he's really doing it. But then we jump to the other side. You talked about other creators hopping in here. Shroud is also working with another major creator, another OG on the Twitch platform, Sacriel, to make their own game. And it's really cool to see the see games being created through the lens of major creators. Doc's got his perfect vision. He wants like a looter shooter extraction kind of arena style game where you can play for the PvP and kind of have that BR style. But there's also the whole idea of like, oh, there's a lot riding on the line. It's bigger than just me. It's the items that I have. I want to escape with that. And then you jump over to like Stroud and Sacriel. They're building an open world survivor shooter, like their dream game. 
crazy focus on the gunplay and the mechanics of how the rifles and, and everything interacts with one another. That's kind of like the Shroud perspective. And then, of course, that survivor side and that creativity that comes out of Sakurai and what his dream game is. And Sakurai has, in the past, spent years trying to build a game. He was actually the first streamer that i ever seen trying to focus on doing something like that. It came up extremely short, but it seems like he's taken all that knowledge and all that development, fused it with Shroud, and then put it to a triple A or let's just call it a very successful dev team. He didn't build his own team. They're going to a team that already has the juice. You know what I mean? They yeah. know what they're doing. They know how to work. Yeah. And, and so just to recap for everyone, Shroud is making a game that right now they're calling Project Astrid. Um, they did a little bit of an announcement deal. We still don't know a ton about it. Um, very cool. Looks like it's going to be Looks like it's going to be survival based. They're making it with splash damage. They've made things like they made transformers titles and, and, and just like monster said, they have, they have, they have some space in the space for lack of a better term. And then Dr. Disrespect working on that dead drop game, which they are calling, oh man, what are they calling it? It's a vertical vertical. It's like a vertical shooter where essentially it's like a, it's a linear map where the progression of it goes up and up and up and up. It will feature some of these very rare items that kind of like Tarkov-esque. And then it ends with, you know, the last player extracting on a helicopter. And so both, both of which I think are games that are very unique to the space. And like you said, I don't think there's anyone better to do it than creators with the right team around them. Yep. And, and again, I don't know who's going to finish their game first. I, if, I, if I had to guess, I think Shroud and Sacrio working with like the trusted dev team that has actually built games, they're moving in the probably the fastest direction to, to reach an endpoint of something that will be accessible to all. But again, Doc's been putting in all these years. Other games and interesting kind of studios that work here by creators is is happening as well. It's it's not just these two. We have Cypher PK with the announcement of Fortnite 2.0 launching his own new company called super joy fn where he's basically put together his own dev team to build games and products inside the fortnite world and nade shot as well let's not forget nade shot has his own project x or whatever game that he's working on so nothing's come out of that but that's something that is lingering on the horizon and just talking about talking about 2.0 and creative i mean you have cypher again one of the one of the innovators and leaders of our space just so far ahead of the game already trying to position himself to to rake in the big dollars with this super joy fn company yeah and you know what talking about platform change do you go do you stay cypher is a great example of the power of staying when everyone was leaving fortnite when everyone was running away when everyone was saying it's a dead game i'm going to warzone i'm going to apex i'm going to this i'm going to that cypher stood his ground and i think he's really come out on top wouldn't you say oh absolutely i mean he's been the face of fortnite he got put in the game that loyalty was really rewarded from the epic side i mean clearly he even had early access to 2.0 which allowed him to strategically position himself to even you know know to launch super joy right like you don't come up with branding website full launch product and a whole dev team overnight like he knew this was coming a long time ago and he obviously had a clear access in at some point or another to see what was going to be and then he built this on top of it so that's loyalty if i've ever seen it and like people like epic and twitch and everyone he works with taking care of him as a creator yeah and this is this is such a this is so cool seeing the ecosystem uh play off here so super joy they, they state their purposes we build epic maps for brands and creators in fortnite creative and so 
if you're wondering how big was the update to Fortnite 2.0, to Creative 2.0, what is it? It's so substantive that somebody thought they'd make a company built around building unique experiences inside of the game. It's using Unreal technology and what people are speculating, well, not speculating, what they're, what they, what we know will happen is that you will start to see gameplay come out of Fortnite that does not look like Fortnite. People are going to build their entire new experiences in it. Even right now, there's a couple different projects, Monster, who are working on, on creating old Fortnite, which is really interesting to me. But man, what do you, what do you, what do you think? What's the end game? What's happening? What are we going to see coming from this creative 2.0? And is, does Epic know? Do you think Epic knows what they've unlocked? And, and how does yeah, Epic yeah. make money off of this? Like, what's, I mean, what's happening? There's a lot to unpack here. Vice President Mark Green on Twitter straight up said, you know, I was chatting with a colleague of mine and I was trying to explain to him like, hey, I think it's going to take a while for people to catch on like how revolutionary this is for gaming. And to his surprise, it didn't take a while. People knew immediately the moment Unreal Engine was adopted into the Fortnite game, bam, this changed the economy and the industry forever. Why? You are putting the ability to build video games inside the Fortnite video game, accessible to millions already, and that's going to change and, and just amplify and add this opportunity for creators to really be devs and take on this the helm of you know again leading the industry now the cool part about it they've also even made it so you are rewarded 40 percent of the revenue from engagement inside fortnite 2.0 they're giving people a reason build a world build your idea throw it out there and guess what if it sticks and people play ha we'll give you money straight up passive revenue taking care of creators it's just it's insane they're effectively going the roblox the minecraft approach where like creative is open to everyone and you can do whatever you want but the graphics are insane it's beautiful yeah they, they are there's so many different videos basically with just the title this is fortnite just because yeah. of the experience you're seeing um so talk to talk to me more about that monetization so are they tracking overall users activity engagement play time if you are getting people to come into the game and they're spending time in this world you will be rewarded i think for their participation and wow. probably also for the way they interact after they interact with your map so wow. if they play your game and, and let's just say you have all that you know time spent in the world they know that you're the reason they're on the game and in turn you'll be rewarded last year epic reported 5.2 billion or so dollars earned they also reported that 60 no they reported 40 percent of that revenue was earned through the player base that participates i think in the creative world by itself so 60 percent br 40 percent creative now 40 percent of the 40 percent is going to be basically given back to the developers and the creators that make these games so that is billions of dollars people are estimating uh, hundreds of millions coming back into the hands of devs and dude the products they've created they've recreated counter-strike or sorry they've recreated call of duty maps the rust map recreation was immaculate beautiful and it played so well there was an elden ring style game where you were able to just explore and there was like a dragon flying around and you had a sword they had another showcase of of course the original fortnite world atlas creative team built that from the ground up 30 players can queue in it functions as if you were literally on season one and millions flooded to that game as well so it just shows you the power of 
putting this this tool, putting the opportunity in the hands of real developers, real creators, and letting them take just take it away, take the wheel. Yeah, I mean, it's what we've said all along is in order to revitalize the space, we need massive innovative shifts that, that truly cause engagement to people. I, I think that um, this will not hit the masses. I think it's hit the creative community well, right? Creative community. I don't mean that Fortnite creative. I mean like the creators community. But, you know, as the average middle schooler hooked on Creative 2.0, like, you know, they were an original Fortnite. Maybe not right now. But the worlds that come out of this, I, you know, and, and Cypher's not dumb. You know, what it makes me think of is one of the most underrated parts of Fortnite, I feel like, is, is the events where they would platform and showcase a creator like Travis Scott or, or Marshmallow. These real-life experiences. Imagine brands of all sorts. Imagine event companies. Imagine summer camps. Imagine schools. Imagine, you know, on their scale, creating these events and these experiences in Fortnite. Um, that 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 is is an exciting future to think about for sure. Yeah, we've already seen blue chip brands jump into the creative stuff over the course of the years. Verizon, G Fuel, T-Mobile, the Hundred Thieves Compound, the Energy Castle, the Hot Pockets kind of interactions, right? Like we have literally seen these huge brands, the NFL, Build Worlds, and Fortnite Creative. That was the 1.0 version. Now we jump over to 2.0, where any single and every single thing is a possibility. The options are effectively endless and it's just going to be such a game changer. But again, this comes down to the devs, whether or not they stick it out, whether or not they continue to build your average creator to answer a question, John cannot just jump in there and, and, you know, build what you've seen. Like what we've seen built was done by teams of professionals that had already like a year of time to sit there and work and maybe tinker and they had their early access. So they were able to build something beautiful like that kind of in, in, in co-op with Fortnite and Epic because they had they had that early access. Your regular creator is actually struggling right now. I follow a lot of the creative community. There's a, a content creator by the name of Dumb Blonde Gaming. She is one of the, the better creators that we've ever seen touch Fortnite Creative. And she was going, again, insane with her builds and 1.0, but jumping over to 2.0, having to adopt the Unreal Engine and the meshes and the way it works and everything interacts with each other. She said it straight up. It's overwhelming. I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. What would take me a day took me three days to make, and it's not even great. It looks great, but it does not function close to what I was able to build before. So there's this whole learning curve happening right now. But once we over overcome that hump, and once these devs start to pair up with one another and they realize, hey, I can't build it all. Let me get someone who specializes in material meshes and terrain. I'll do the actual mechanic of the way things interact with each other. And, you know, you kind of build together in co-op on this Unreal Engine 5 in game. That's when we're going to get to the next step. That's when things are going to start really releasing faster, cleaner, and, and just be game changer for the entire scene. I can't wait to see it. Well, last but certainly not least, arguably, uh, one of the most uh, active communities, not the most passionate community in gaming, got a huge update in the form of Counter-Strike 2. And I'm going to give it over to you as an OG to break down to us <laughs> what this title means to you and what specifically is the difference between CSGO and, and Counter-Strike 2. Uh, as, as a layman, as an outside looking in, 
I don't see a ton of the big, like at a glance, don't see a ton of the big differences in the two games. Break it down for us. I think I think you have every right to not see the big differences. I think the nuances, the change between what the Counter Strike was that we just recently knew and loved, and what the two point like two point oh. You hear me? Two point oh. Yeah, the yeah. Counter Strike two version, basically, it really is just a two point oh of Counter Strike. The adjustments are subtle, but they're so big for like the highest level of competition that that's what everyone's excited about let's not forget counter-strike does not pander to the casual this yeah. is a highly competitive game that's kind of taking that league of legends approach that again it's esports driven it's high competition it's a market and economy that they allow you know again adults to come play like that is really what they want to build so the realism is what we're seeing jump into counter-strike 2 one of the primary examples and one that i'm most excited for the way smoke interacts it's no longer just kind of like a visual that's static that yeah. kind of replicate itself it's now dynamic it interacts with the you know the environment and it moves but also it affect, it's affected by like bullet dynamics and tracers like you can you can shoot holes through it you can basically explode the smoke away because the the blast of a grenade will kind of impact it right so there's physics involved now in counter strike we never had that before yeah and that makes that makes total sense and honestly in terms of uh, upgrades go this is they they probably upgraded the things that matter most and what a lot of games it's like do. a full tune-up it's like a yeah. slip like they gave the visual quality they gave again physics and dynamic and and sound when you are in a tunnel you have an echo behind the weapon right the when someone's stomping on layers above you it has a different kind of sound that carries across before again it was very static it was what it was i guess you know brought in as and it wasn't dynamic by any means this entire game is effectively kind of jumped into the new day and age a 2023 counter-strike kind of what you think what you should expect of a more up-to-date polished version of the game and they're just they're allowing people to keep all of their market items so the entire og market like all the original counter-strike weapons and skins and guns have all risen in price everyone's flooding back to the game yeah and that and that makes sense that's so smart and and counter-strike is one of the original i mean possibly the origin of valued digital items you know and i always laugh when when we talk about nfts and people not getting them i'm just like we've been paying money for digital items for a really long time i just think honestly honestly layman's take is that i feel like nfts shot themselves in the foot where they tried to make it sound like something so new and if they would have maybe built off of the base of the fact that people are a pretty common thing to buy digital items you know that you can use as as bartering tools aka things in many video games i don't know maybe they would have had a, a better chance at, at at building for the public but counter-strike looks it, it looks great and it looks like they they did the tune-up um instead of the paint job and I think that there's a lot of games is when is is they do a paint job, but the core elements aren't better. I think Halo is guilty of this recently. I think people would say that Warzone and Call of Duty are guilty of this. World of Warcraft, we know, has been guilty of this in in the past. Overwatch 2 is almost like the worst of both worlds is that it didn't change much visually and it didn't change much functionally. You're like, what is this? But it seems like they really understood that they have a core market and let's speak to them and just double down on what's already good while making a couple small tweaks to the core gameplay. Brilliant. And it's one of those things where we've seen like H1Z was an excellent example of a game that was, it didn't get, a, it didn't get a tune up. It got like, yeah, I mean, it didn't get a paint job. It got over tuned in the yeah, game yeah. went from like season three to season five and people hated it, lost all the player base. 
Counter-Strike, I think, has recognized, hey, we have this ingredient. This is the way the game is supposed to feel. This is Counter-Strike at its heart with the gunplay, the mechanics, the speed of the movement. And they have never, ever touched those things. They've allowed those to stay true. And what they've done is tuned up these physics, these you know, these interactions, everything around the game. They, they know what makes the game amazing and what has kept people a part of it from the gunplay side. Instead, they've touched everything around that. And that's why it's continued to stay relevant for two decades. It says here the original Counter-Strike was released in 1999. So over two decades in the game. And just like League of Legends, 10 plus years, 12 plus years, whatever, in esports. Like one of the first competitive titles to ever really take off. And they've never looked back. Yeah, pretty wild. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot. Shout out to Doc. Shout out to Shroud. Shout out to the studio behind Counter-Strike. Shout out to all the people who who are trying these new games, who are out there creating. Shout out to Cypher PK. I want to put a shine on the people that are building a better future for the industry. A lot of questions remain. Is Kick for real? Is it good for it to be backed by a gambling company? What is the future of Twitch laying off so many people? And of course, if we haven't said at the top of the program, our condolences to all those families affected by, you know, talking about this very conversationally for the sake of the podcast. But we understand this is real lives, real dollars, real stories. It's, it's impacting real people. And so there's a lot to be worried about with the future of gaming, but there's really a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah, for sure. And just the entire space is changing so fast right now. I think in the next episode, we'll cover more about how AI is really injecting itself to not only our everyday lives, but just the innovation. It's moving at lightning speed. One day we'll look back and this entire landscape is going to be so different. So yeah, there's so much more to catch up on. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. We're excited for the new games. Finally, we're starting to get out of this. I think this dry spell of yeah. when's the next cool thing coming out. Now we have a lot to look forward to and at least test. We didn't even get to talk about the dark and darker devs receiving a cease and desist. Oh. Uh, so they're not allowed to continue and release their game because they're being accused of piracy. Two devs that used to be a part of another company on their NDA were then let go and then they released According to, again, the cease and desist, a version of the game themselves, which is Dark and Darker, which has really caught on. So there's a lot that we'll catch up on in the next episode. So definitely return. With that, John, I'm going to leave it to you. Let the people at home know where they can find you, and then we'll sign out. Yeah, find me, John W. Key Rush, on Twitter, and you can find me on YouTube and TikTok at Project W. Key. We appreciate all the love, all the likes, all the comments, all the shares. We do it for y'all. Yeah, and this episode is going to be cut short because, as you can tell, I'm a little stuffy. So thank you all for sticking with us. Hopefully it wasn't too uh, too much of an inconvenience for y'all. Enjoy this episode. We'll catch you guys next week for the Fortnite episode and then the Practice Makes Perfect podcast. So we'll see you then. Until next time, don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory house. Peace, y'all.